Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Um, I expect uh, personally to see some legislative progress in regards to bribery and corruption. Um, Australia is uh, seen to be a follower when it comes to new legislation. We have seen legislation in the US, Foreign uh, uh, Corrupt uh, Practice Act, and in the UK, the Bribery Act. And recently in France, we saw the uh, anti-corruption law at Sapendu. In this edition of the GRC Professional Podcast, we talked to Evelyn Estefan, who's doing a Master's in Financial Crime. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher, and I'm the editor of the GRC Professional and the GRC Professional Online. And with me, I have Evelyn Estefan, who is doing a Master's in Financial Crime. Hi, Evelyn. Thanks for being Hi, Kwame. Here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, so, as we've already discussed before this interview, um, just sort of getting a sense of financial crime and your take on financial crime. You've written quite a bit of articles for the GRC Professional looking at financial crime and blockchain. So, I guess we're just going to tease out, tease out some of those, I guess, essential points that you've made before. Yeah. I understand that you are doing a master's in financial crime. Uh, can you tell me a bit more about that experience and what you've been learning? Uh, yes, uh, the master's of financial crime uh, is at Charles Stewart University. Uh, it can take up as little as up to 18 months to complete it and it's fully delivered uh, online, which uh, means I can continue work and uh, study at the same time. The program is designed in a way that we study how other jurisdictions around the world are dealing with the problems that we are facing here in Australia. So let's say they look, we are looking at bribery and corruption. We can see how other countries around the world have tackled this problem. Well, I believe this approach assists us to bring a more comprehensive approach to our workplace to uh, limiting the damage that financial crime can cause. Mm, right, right. How is this helping you with your role in understanding financial crime? Uh, definitely, this helped me so uh, so much in uh, knowing uh, what causes uh, certain financial crime, what risks we need to look at, and uh, w- uh, different methods of uh, combating financial crime. As I said, most importantly is the risks involved. We are, I am able to assess the risk. And at the same time, I'm able to know what's happening aboard and how they are tackling financial crime. Right. And of course, the next question, you've already touched on this a bit. But I mean, what really drove you through these key themes of identity fraud and counterterrorism and digital currencies? Okay. Well, uh, these topics that I wrote about, all of them involve uh, risk related to uh, either deficiency in uh, legislation or uh, outdated legislation or even limited legislation. Uh, For example, identity fraud uh, is a serious threat that we all are facing uh, and stolen ID are traded online. So the fact that a fraudster is able to uh, be identified electronically via one source of identification, it uh, enables the crime to, you know, to progress further. Therefore, therefore it is a serious threat that needs to be uh, addressed. Right, right. 
and I understand that these are some of the themes that were touched on at the 36th Cambridge International Symposium that you just came back from attending. Um, were there any other key themes that you thought were sort of relevant to what's happening here in Australia? Um, well, the symposium seemed to focus on uh, bribery and corruption. And this was a message about uh, the right culture and doing the right thing was addressed by uh, uh, representative from over 80 countries. So especially when dealing with uh, uh, financial transaction and, uh, you know, unexplained fund. So some countries uh, have already developed measures to combat corrupted funds. So you have countries that they request officials and PEP to sign attestation, declare how about their asset prior to their commencement of their role and up and termination of their role. And in the UK as well, they have they enforce the unexplained wealth order. This assists the law enforcement agency in their uh, in following the unexplained fund uh, wealth, and it puts the onus on the uh, defendant to mm. prove uh, where the money came from. Right. And you mentioned the UK. Um, recently, we had an event with the GRCI. We had Julian Hun from. Flight Centre Travel Group, who spoke to the audience a little bit about this kind of risk awareness that we need to have around modern slavery and the Modern Slavery Act. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how that is sort of playing out in the UK from what you saw? Uh, yes. Um, I attended the presentations that we had consultants there, that they've been helping organization how to develop policies and programs in that regard. Organization need to have a compliance statement and the statement need to be uh, endorsed by the board and signed by senior management. Uh, the organization need to have an initial assessment around uh, slavery. This assessment, they can use data from uh, uh, audit data of their suppliers, they can use inter international labor organization data, and they can use a global slavery index data. Based on this initial assessment, they are able to uh, uh, do their due diligence and develop their uh, policy. Uh, stakeholders in the policies that uh, are needed are uh, HR, uh, audit, legal and uh, recruitment proc staff. So um, the, they also need to put in the policy uh, that uh, this uh, compliance is part of the code of conduct of the organization and their suppliers and counterparty, they need to sign, uh, they need to sign the code of conduct. Based on this, they will. Uh, they also need to assess their suppliers' uh, uh, processes around uh, and compliance around slavery. Mm -hmm. In terms of their suppliers, suppliers, the second suppliers, they can do a surprise audit on them. And again, it all depends on their initial assessment about region. Certain region attracts higher risks than. Uh, uh, others. 
uh, they need to understand clear understanding about the roles and responsibilities and they need to understand that there has been uh, prosecution uh, in that regard and some are successful well, looking to the future, um, and, you know, coming down to the end of the year, um, it's always good to get a sense of what might be, you know, coming up. So, are there any risks or regulatory changes that are on your radar based on some of the stuff you've been looking at? Um, I expect uh, personally to see some legislative progress in regards to bribery and corruption. Uh, Australia is seen to be a follower when it comes to new legislation. We have seen legislation in the US, uh, uh, Foreign Corrupt uh, Practice Act, mm -hmm. and in the UK, the Bribery Act. And recently in France, we saw the uh, anti-corruption law, uh, Sapendu. Mm -hmm. uh, what I think will drive this uh, progress is uh, poor corporate culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fact that Austra the Australian place is falling on the corruption index, uh, perception index, right. we fell from number seven, uh, we were uh, number seven in 2012. Currently we are number 13 right. in 2000. And in addition to this, we've seen uh, the diminishing trust of the public in uh, our uh, politicians and officials. So I think it is something that we will see progress. Right, right. And of course, it's always good to end with a bit of advice. So do you ha have any advice for risk and compliance professionals who are trying to get this right? Um, continuous learning. Mm -hmm accountability and ownership. Uh, the landscape of, of crime has shifted from street crime to financial crime. And now we are the first line of defense on the national level. So it is, our role is very crucial for uh, the sustainable economy and for the national security. All right, well, thank you very much, Evelyn. And for spending some time with us this afternoon um, and hope to have you on the podcast again soon. Oh, thank you so much for this lovely opportunity. Thank you for listening to the GRC Professional Podcast. This podcast is produced by the GRC Institute and the original music was composed by Rob Neary.